Welcome to episode 22 of the John and Tom show. Tom, how you doing? Great, John. How are you today? So today we wanted to dedicate, I think the majority of the show will be about 9-11 since we just had the 20th anniversary and we uh, finally exited from uh, Afghanistan as we discussed on our previous episode. Wanted to kind of expand on that a little bit and I did have a talk with my friend Robert who will be uh, later in the show, I'll play the interview. It's about 20 minutes long. Um, put that at the end. But before we hear that, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about 9-11. Probably the best use of our time would be to talk about, I mean, we, we all had our own personal experience with 9-11, um, if, if you're old enough. I mean, there's it was 20 years ago, so there's a lot of kids out there in their, in their mm -hmm. early 20s that don't know a world without it, right? And they, yeah. they only know post 9-11 world, which is kind of crazy and all the ways that things have changed. It was just, uh, it's a horrendously bad event. Um, I don't think anybody's ever thought that something like this would happen to our country. It changed, it changed our country pretty much permanently, I would say, as of that moment. It just sort of put us on a different trajectory yeah, Maybe I'd uh, say. you know, I, John, I was thinking the other day about everything that's occurred in my lifetime so far. I mean, from cultural to political technology, I mean, it's all, you know, if I go back to the 50s, I'm like, where's like where's the cell phones where you know, yeah, it's yeah. uh but but that's happened in very that, that's pretty short order when you think about it uh well if you look at the like the vietnam war compare it to the vietnam war which was horrible it went on a pretty long time 10 years and then yeah and then the the after effects of vietnam lasted a very long time they're still kind of going on um mostly with veterans mm -hmm. um and ptsd and all, you know, cost of healthcare and just individual, just, you know, very difficult, difficult stuff. Um, and 9-11 was different because it was an attack on our soil and it was civilians mm -hmm. and it all happened at once. Yes. Right. And then you look at how it really solidified and brought together our country. We were at probably the most together as a country we have been um, unified i guess is the word since world war ii really well you know that's a good point john because i remember <laughs> well actually honestly when i heard when i first heard about 9-11 i was in my car listening to howard stern <laughs> and he said this was howard stern he said the first thing First thing, he said, stand behind the president, stand behind the president. He yeah. must have said that a hundred times. And and people did. Everybody did. Yeah, everybody I did. I mean, I didn't hear anybody raise hell with Bush because the worst intelligence failure since World War II happened on his watch. I, yeah. I don't remember people doing that. I didn't no, do no, that. No. I mean, I was but aware in, of it, but it. You know what? What what are you going to do, man? You going to close the yeah. the gate after the horse is out, right? You know. Well, I I got a bunch of stats that I'll be reading throughout this um, podcast to try to help help us along from the Pew Research and the Brookings Institute. 
in September 2001, 86% of Americans approved of how Bush handled the situation. 86%. In September 2001, like no, right I... as it happened, everybody was on the same page. And even in October, 60% of adults expressed trust in the government, which is very high. <laughs> like 60, <laughs> yeah. 60%. Compared to today. And today, yes. <laughs> today that number is 21, 20, yeah. 24%. Jesus. Trust the government. 24%. Trust, trust the government across the board. This is both sides. Yeah. Um, so, so much changed. And I think part of that reason, well, big part of the reason was, you know, how we reacted to it. Um, going to Iraq to me was like really a big lie yeah. and just a huge mistake. And that really eroded confidence, I think, in, in the world, how the world sees us mm -hmm. and saw us and as well as our own citizens and all that. You know, there was so many deaths of um, of civilians and even, you know, U.S. soldiers and then just the war on terror in general. It's just it, mm -hmm. this quote unquote war on terror. What did it cost us? Mm -hmm. It cost us apparently that when you tally up all the the deaths and the cost it's over six trillion dollars and it's uh nine over nine hundred thousand deaths um that's conservative number of deaths from yeah. civilians from uh, opposition from our own military from everyone during that during the time that it was declared um so that's just and what have we got out of it? So we got ISIS was created from it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. It, which, you know, started going and <clears throat> causing damage in Syria and everywhere else. And now the Taliban uh, controls Afghanistan. So what do we get for that $6 trillion and 900,000 deaths? Not a lot. No. And, no. The, and the world, I think, sees that. Um, I think we're, we're still don't, I don't think America quite sees it yet. <laughs> I'm not sure if we really realize just how much of a failure a war on terror has been. Oh, it and has. It's, it's like the war on drugs. Oh, it, yeah. You know, when you declare it's an war abject on things, failure. When you declare you know? on things, war on things that aren't actually tangible. Well, drugs like, pretty tangible. Well, no, but it's not. How do you, you declare know? a war on a drug? Yeah, no, but but you I'm can't. just no. I'm just saying, John. Our our war our uh, war against terrorism has, has been about as successful as our war on drugs. Yeah, I'm just you saying, know? like you declare war on a country. You declare mm -hmm. war on, you know, that's what you declare war on, not a drug or a terror. What is terror? You know, it's, it's hard. It's just, it obviously, we all thought that we could um, defeat terrorism through, through military action. Oh yeah, yeah. Which that's always that's our answer. I to think everything. I think we now need to admit that that's that's not possible. No, it's not. You working. can't beat terrorism through military action. Uh, so. Where do we go from here is the question now. And now it seems like conventional war isn't even realistic from, you know, in, in most cases it's, it's cyber mm -hmm. war, warfare. And you also have China sort of, uh, whittling away growing and they're, they're their own beast. You know, they're, they're going through their own growing pains and I'm hearing a lot of different things coming out of China. Um, but China is extremely confusing. They're supposed to be communist. In fact, in their great hall of the their version of it, the Politburo, they've still got the humongous hammer and sickle uh, in on on the as the backdrop for the uh, podium and all that stuff. But they're acting an awful lot 
like uh, a free market economy. Well, they call it a market communism. They call it market. It's a type of communism, I guess, categorized as market communism. It's, I don't think it's communism at all. It's just uh, controlling citizens. That well, doesn't really have anything to do with communism. You know, if you read Marx, <clears throat> and I'm going to step out here, there has never really been a true communist country in this world because the main thing is that the quote communist countries every one of them has in uh in common uh dictatorial leaders it's harsh government in com in true communism there is no government right. because people, that, everybody it, gets what they need everybody yeah. gets what they want and the government's not really and, even and necessary we've, we've talked about this before and it you know the initial idea of communism has never happened we we know that and every everything sort of devolves into this uh dictatorships and absolute control over citizens um and just these really uh, dismal societies. Oh yes, um, yeah. Uh, where there's very little freedom. I think that's the issue: is that uh, reducing freedom. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people in this country are concerned about. Like, you don't want to lose their freedoms. Um, and you know, and it, it gets a little bit distorted too. That 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 desire for freedom can be distorted. And I think mm -hmm. of COVID as that as one oh, of those God. distortions yes. of, of the, of what is reality because we're in a pandemic. And again, we're, we're kind of beating a dead horse. We've talked about this a lot. I don't want to, I don't want to go too far into it, but I, I would like to clarify something I said about Joe Rogan with his ivermectin, because now it's come out that you know, obviously he was, he was not taking the horse dewormer. He was taking the human version of ivermectin, which is not proven to actually help COVID, yeah, but exactly. he's, he's he he's in his right to get a prescription from a doctor to take human ivermectin. Doesn't it's it's no, not gonna, sure. it's not going to harm him, but there's no proof that that's going to help him. The uh, the um well it'll deworm him. No, it's that's a that's a totally separate <laughs> medicine. That's that's a silly thing to say because you know that's that's where CNN and all these other um. Uh, all these other news sources are, they know that it's not the horse medicine and they're, no, and they're still no, saying it. And it's but not still they Iver, ivermectin is given to even to humans for parasite control. It's viral. It, it's a vi antiviral. Well, yeah. Antiviral, but it also, it's been around for 40 years. Yeah. It's yeah. Had yeah. It's success, been around forever. You know? Of course, the biggest use has been by vets, but, but you understand CNN is saying Anderson Cooper and all these people are telling are, are saying that he took the horse deworm. Oh, okay. yeah, so well, that's, yes, that's, that's, that's no, that's, that's not true. Patently yeah, false. No, it and, is and patently that, false. And they need to retract that. And that's, I think, you know, he's in his right to take that medicine is prescribed by a doctor. Sure. It's not horse dewormer. It's just bullshit. And, um, so monoclonal antibodies are FDA emergency approved. He's taken oh, yeah. those. He's taken, uh, Regeneron, which is also FDA emergency approved, have shown to help treat, those two have shown to help treat COVID. He's just very much on the treatment side. He's not on the prophylactic side, which I, I wish he would get on. Because I think that, you know, the one thing about the 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 vaccine is it's it's free for everyone and it's got an incredible success rate. And there's yeah. no, you know, there's no side effects that we know of and very little. I mean, some people say there are, but I, I it's such a small percentage. We went over it again in the last episode. Uh, of how many people are in the hospital who are unvaccinated. It's all unvaccinated. It's an unvaccinated pandemic at this point. Well, you know, John, if you look at uh, the number of these uh, conservative, ultra-conservative 
radio host who have died. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, too. it's just, it's, you know, what, what more do, and 90% of the COVID cases in hospitals right now, over it's 90, like 95, and it's up. 95, 95 and up, yeah, yeah, yeah it's unvaccinated it's, people. Yeah. So it, it is uh, a distortion of the, tr- of the truth to, to talk, to, distortion of this idea of freedom, that this is a freedom issue. It's not a freedom mm-hmm. issue. We're in a freaking pandemic. So get over it. Anyway, uh, you know, but the, but the idea of freedom is important for us to care about. We do need to care about it and we can't let things get out of control. So that brings me to a couple other issues that are a little in the gray area. Uh, the thing that I gen- like gray area, <laughs> <laughs> the general Milley thing that came out oh, where God. he said he made a phone call to China uh, after, on, on January 8th, after Jan- January 6th happened assuring the Chinese, I think it was the prime minister or whoever he talked to, that we were not going to, uh, even if Trump were to authorize a, a nuclear strike, he would, he, would give him, he would give him a heads up and say, we're not actually going to do that. So that obviously is not something we want a general to do um, from the standpoint of like, you know, chain of command, things like that. So that was probably not a good thing. However, he did he sort of had to make a decision on his own in, in putting these common sense things together. And January 6th was an extremely uh, unique and powerful event that happened. And so he just kind of made his own decision. That's like, okay, uh, am I going to save the world or am I going to save myself? That's the way I look at it. And he said, I'm going to save the world at, at my own peril. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this. I'm probably, but I'm willing to, I don't want there to be this nuclear war out there mm-hmm. at the because of trump and that and that's kind of like i that's how i think he did it it's still it, i think it's still a, a punishable offense and i think he probably should be punished for it because it's even though it's i i don't it, we have to have some sort of rule of law with presidents and things and, and the president had not been fully removed from office he had not it's not up to him to decide that really so it's a little that's why i'm saying gray area yeah i think it's a it's a difficult um thing to have any sort of clarity on. Okay, John. Well, one thing I saw in an interview they did with this young guy, he was an attache to the uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and they had a meeting. It was uh, uh, Miley, FBI, CIA, uh, Homeland Security, NSA, and all that, and they all said unanimously, we can't let this guy yeah. So it was maybe it just wasn't just Millie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in fact, he said, this guy said, when he walked out of that meeting, the FBI director, Trump appointed, looked at the guys from DHS and FBI and said, if you guys aren't preparing for war, you're not doing your jobs. Yeah. You know, and. Well, it makes me actually, I'm glad that he did that. Oh, I am too. You're right. He probably did have some backing of other people who also agreed with him because, and I'm, and I'm happy that that exists in our country that that's a check and balance, even though it's not, even though it's not something that is on the books as something that's supposed to happen. It's a, it's, it's like morality. It's sort of common sense. And this guy, like, imagine if that guy was a, was a Trump lackey or a Trump, uh, he had that guy, that general was sure. was somebody who was a do boy for Trump. Mm-hmm. He would have like, oh yep, yeah, press absolutely, that, press that button, and let's destroy the earth. 
Yeah. Right? Basically, I, I, that was what we we're trying to avoid. So like you just hope that there's somebody there that to, to manage that. And, you know, in 2024, we could be back, you know, Trump could win um, and we could be back in the same situation. I, I thought about the other day. I'm like, I just I can't do that. I'm not, I can't I, I can't even, you know, go through another second of, of Trump having any power at all. Yeah. I just can't. Exactly. I don't know what I'm going to do if that, if, if we get anywhere near that, if it's even suggested or <laughs> if there even comes to a point where like it's possible, but, but you look at the, the Republicans right now and they're just, they're all, they're all pro Trump. And, um, uh, I oh, think, yeah. I think you said something on Newsmax interview. Did you see that Newsmax interview? I haven't. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> the only, the opposition that I look at every day is Fox. Well, I haven't looked at Newsmax forever. He said that the, in three years, the United States is going to fold. Oh, really? Yeah. He said that on Newsmax. He okay. said in three years, the, the United States will be done. Did you also hear <laughs> his latest statement that quote, any election that a Republican Republican is defeated in is fraudulent. Well, that's uh, that leads us to the California yeah, recall yeah, election, no. which um, they were already starting to try to, you know, soften the blow before the counting was done by saying that it was already fraudulent. And Larry Elder is he's an absolute joke. He probably has about ten percent support there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an absolute joke, and um, the fact that. The fact that, you know, they're going to have to redo the whole system over there in California because you only need like you, you, the the existing governor has to keep at least 50 percent. So even if the other guy, if he gets 49 percent and the other guy only gets 10 percent, the other mm-hmm. guy gets to go in. There. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's completely whacked. And the taxpayers pay for the recall election. It was like three million dollars. I don't know how much it costs to, to have the the recall election which you don't need that many people to petition to get it to happen um and uh they need to redo that whole thing because it's silly um, well you know and uh, I, why would you even like another thing is like what's wrong with gavin newsom really i mean i live there um i mean they are they have been you know particularly stringent on on covid probably and there is a homeless issue in some of the cities like LA and San Francisco, the homeless issue has gotten worse. I think those are the two main issues that they were running on that mm-hmm. they were trying to get yes. people is, was yeah. the homeless issue is, is gone out of control and it has, I don't know if that's due to the governor uh, or if it's policy or what it is, but um, have you ever heard any solutions? Okay. No, you know, the homeless is, situation has gotten out of control. Okay, great. It has, how what would you do about it i've never heard that i've never heard what they would do about it yeah no Uh, that's it's incredibly um challenging i think the homeless issue i lived in san francisco for many years and uh i I thought about it it's just i don't know what you do it's it's a systematic issue education uh welfare sort of like let's support our and again i still think i still think that you're only as strong as your weakest in 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 this country right and we have a lot of weakest and so we're we're being brought down because we're we're not putting enough effort into helping uh helping us helping the entire society succeed we're really you know everybody's being greedy and you know there's a lot of success and there's a lot of like stock market's doing great and there's a lot of success and money and uh happening but you know it's getting in the smaller and smaller percentage of Mm -hmm. the elite and amazon you know (laughs) It's, it's, it's getting out of control. 
but so okay so the, the but the california recall um i'm pretty pretty happy that that it went the way it did i think Me it's going to actually boost boost gavin newsom's popularity and uh you know i, I i've known that guy for a long time i actually have met him a few times and um, I know people that are good friends with him. Was, were, was he mayor of, of San Francisco he, he was, when you lived? Yeah, because I, I saw he was, what, two or three times mayor? Of, uh, once or twice, and yeah. Willie, Willie Brown was before him. That, and, yes. Uh, interesting yes, dude. He, yeah. he gold-plated the city hall. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you go there now, it's pretty, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, guy, I bet he, it's he, impressive. He wears like $3,000 suits and stuff. Oh, yeah. Very mm. interesting. And he also dated Kamala Harris. Oh, uh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh. She was his... Uh, she was his little uh squeeze trophy squeeze and yeah. he's like 30 years older than her but uh pretty funny stuff but um you know that's the bay area for you yeah um anything but, can happen but the but, other thing um so so when people talk about freedoms and worrying about things turning into china turning turning into this sort of state where being controlled one of i think they are that you know the general milley issue where he took things into his own hands uh, uh, circumventing the president who was in power at the time, even though January 6th happened, they see that as, as another um, issue that reduces freedoms because you're not, you're, you know, this guy's going rogue, calling China, warning them about a, attack Thank God. directly, even though I sort of agree with it. I, I can see their point a little bit because it, it is a little bit like, you know, I, I think the part they're missing is that Trump actually is insane. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't trust him at all in any way, shape, or form. But that's besides the point. Well, you know, I, a little interjection here. The same guy that did the interview with CNN that, that said about, you know, the meeting and everybody, you know, agreed that there, there's no way they could let Trump control the football said that back in 2017, right after Trump had gone into office, the cabinet was already talking about invoking the 25th Amendment. What cabinet? The president's cabinet. His own cabinet? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. He said, that, that that's nothing. These people think that's something. They said, no, hell, that's been bounced around for, that yeah. was bounced around for four years. I, I'm not going to get into talking about like the complete uh, insanity of Trump. We've done that enough, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I, I just want to continue to talk. I want, to, I want to try to sort of address some of these concerns of the right wing and their issues with their freedoms. And um, the other one that I think is an interesting one to, to discuss is the, the Biden vaccine mandate. Mm-hmm. I find it to be a little intrusive when he starts in requiring private companies who have 100 employees, requiring a private company to get the vaccine. Now I I agree with I I want it I want all this believe me I want it but from a from a standpoint of like procedure and what is right uh, uh, from, you know can you require company private companies to to get your employees vaccinated since it's not it's not federally mandated at all anywhere uh, I, I mean it's federal for for federal companies for 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 the federal government. It is because yeah, yeah. that's who they they employ. Mm-hmm. But uh, for the federal government to tell a private company they have to, they're mandated to have their employees vaccinated. What well, do you think about that? You you know my position on that, John, is this: Biden. I mean, you can say what you will about Biden. I mean, there's some stuff that he's done that I'm not real happy with. 
but he always has the best interest of Americans in mind. Yeah, but that's not and really addressing the point. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to address the point. Okay. Okay, that for so long as we have so many people who are unvaccinated, this is not going to go away. Just like polio and smallpox went away because people got vaccinated. Yeah. In fact, so is it I the saw federal, a case. Is it the federal in, government's responsibility to do that? You know, sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. John. <laughs> See, that's that's the that's something that an authoritarian government would say. No, 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 no. It's <sighs> that's true, though. It is true. That is something that an authoritarian we know better than you. So we're going to tell you what to do. I mean, it's just slightly. I, I don't necessarily believe. What I'm saying, like here, I'm I'm being devil's advocate. Okay, and, yeah, and I, I'm, I, I'm trying to like, I want to make sure that people, like somebody on the far right listening to this, is not saying they're not being fair, okay? Because they're still looking at this as a freedom issue. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, and I think I always come back to the fact that it's you know. They're forgetting that it's a pandemic, but it, you sh can you mandate, you know, can you force people to take a vaccine inside, you know, on their body? Like, have we ever done that before? Have we ever had a mandate for a shot in the country? Only because people in this day and age are too hung up on. No, I'm asking you a question. My freedoms. No. Do, do you know if we've ever had a mandate on a shot? No, ever? I we've don't. Never had I, I don't know because yeah. you know what? It's never been necessary, John. Well, I'm just curious. I guess I'm just asking the question because I'm curious if we ever have had a mandate for, for something that is going into your body. Mm -hmm. You know, do you f drink this, right? Or <laughs> take this shot like you have to. Like there's probably our governments out there in China and other places that, that are, they, they do mandate these things. And if you don't get them, you get shot or you get thrown in jail, right? Uh, or disappear. Like so, lepers. Well, yeah, like, so <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it, it, I, I, these are the types of things that, that, they're, that the right-wingers who are uh, very afraid of losing their freedoms, this is what they're talking about. Okay, okay. John, on, on the question of freedoms, I've always, I was always taught that your freedoms end where mine begin. Okay, now, granted, I'm, I've been vaccinated since February— but there is still a chance that I could contract Absolutely. COVID. Yeah. Okay. So the right wingers that come into my house that haven't been vaccinated, if they give me COVID because they're not vaccinated, yeah. then whose freedom has been infringed upon? I would say um, that's a tough question. Yeah, it is a tough question. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't know whose freedoms have been finished. Okay, well, case. here's the case. There was a guy in Louisiana, middle-aged guy, had a heart attack, obviously needed to be admitted to an ICU. He died. They got yeah. a hold of yeah. 43 hospitals, 43, to take this guy in, and they said, we don't sorry, but we don't have any beds available. Yeah. 43 hospitals. I heard about that, yeah. You know, uh, and, yeah. I, and I'm like, and believe me, I'm completely on your side, and I agree yeah. that everyone should be vaccinated. And I just, but the question, I guess, I'm is is the federal government responsible for for forcing people to get that okay? Vaccine? Well, well, let me ask you this: 
there's, you know, this big deal in Florida and Texas about outlawing mandates in schools. Do you realize that now children account for 28 mm-hmm. yeah. percent of all covid cases yeah now That's the kids tough. don't have any say in it but their parents do but to me if i was a parent and i said oh no 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 no, no. i don't I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I i don't want I, I don't want my kid wearing a mask in school that kid gets covid and dies whose fault is it yeah i've heard of uh some people actually administering covid vaccine to like three-year-olds four-year-olds yeah that's, going out of, the problem is you don't know the dosage no, exactly that's the, problem, that's, that's the whole thing that, that we still need more research to find because of, of 12 matter because yeah. 12 year olds are still very much kids yeah. uh so but, no that needs to be researched right but like i hear what you're saying I mean, it, it, whose fault is it um to me it's criminal it's criminal neglect of a dependent yeah. but personally you know, me i agree with you i'm just i'm continuing to come back to the point of like i'm trying to be like an, an attorney here or something. I don't know, like looking at it from, um, you know, if you were on the other side and something else was happening, would it be fair? Is it, is it, is it a, is it a matter of freedom or is it a matter of personal choice? Is it a freedom or is it something that should be mandated? Maybe it just effing should be mandated. <laughs> well, Maybe we should just mandate every single person and go authoritarian for like, you know, uh, a month, get everyone vaccinated and then, and then they can cry about it for a year and then realize that, Oh, that worked. Now let's move on. Okay. <laughs> you know, John, in this country, it's always been the majority rules, right? Well, except unless you're Trump, but you know, well, yeah, true. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the majority, according to latest polls, the majority of Americans are on board with, with oh yeah dates. i would say and than, and yeah, what's even majority. better yeah. is that a whole lot of uh trump friendly businesses are on board with mandatory but, but well you think about it john okay if i own a business let's look at look at it this way if, if i own a business and i've got 100 employees and whatever and all of a sudden we got covid running rampant through there they can't work how do i how do i keep my business open i don't know i again though i i just it's to me it comes back it, I, there none of what we said has solved the issue from all that because i do listen to some some things on the right oh i do too that are not whack jobs I they're, check. they're actually like they're not whack jobs they're actually mm-hmm. pretty intelligent people and they're trying their best to figure out the truth but I, they're off, I think. I think they're wrong, but yeah. I'm still listening to them. So I want to, I haven't heard anything that we've said yet. Well, that, you want to hear where really, they're coming from. I know. Yeah, but, yeah. but, but you know, and I, I sort of, I try and I'm, you know, because we're not going to get anywhere if we continue to stay so divided. We're never going to get anywhere. Exactly. And so like, I really want to come up with something that truly addresses their concerns. And I haven't really heard it yet. Like, I still think that probably the, the number one thing that in my mind that is um, important for them to consider is that this is truly an emergency situation. This is not normal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this will not continue after the pandemic is over. We're not going to have mandates. We're not going to require this, all this stuff. I, you know, once, once we get COVID to become like the flu or something that's tamped down and it's controlled 
it's still going to be there. Believe me, it's not going to go away. We're still going to have to deal with it, but we're getting to a point where we can control it. Um, then those these sorts of these sorts of uh, procedures are going to be less uh, important, and we're not going to have to do them as much. You mm -hmm. still may be able to need to get a booster shot every now and then, but so what? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, would you would you rather have a booster shot once a year or wear a mask all year forever? The rest of your yeah, life. Exactly. Yes. Just get a freaking booster shot. Yeah, it's not that big you don't have a to damn wear a, deal. How about this, you guys? You know, if you get a, if you get the vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask anymore ever. Okay, and you just like that. Maybe that's a trade off. If you agree to get the, the the vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. You know, John. I think one of the problems with COVID, it's not visible enough. Yes. Yes. If, yes. If this was bubonic plague. Go back, way back to bubonic plague when people came out and they were hideous. They had mm. black bubos yes, and they yes, were yes. bleeding. Yeah. And, and uh, Ebola. Yeah, Ebola, yes. And, and bleeding say, out of your eyeballs. Okay, do you want to turn out like that or do you want to take the vaccine? Yeah. It's, and here's the other argument I've heard that why people don't want to take the vaccine because it's not FDA approved. Here's well, a, that's gone now. Here's a scenario. Let's say I'm a right winger and I have an aggressive cancer. And my oncologist says, well, we've got a drug that we can do clinical tests on. It hasn't been, it hasn't been cleared yet, but it has shown a lot of promise so far in clinical testing. What do you think they'd do? What do you think that person would do? They knew they had a cancer that wouldn't stop. It was going to kill them. Yeah. But, but, but they have the option to take a, quote, non-approved drug. What do you think they would do? Yeah. They'd take Yeah, it. I guess the issue is that it's, it, it isn't, um, it's a very effective virus because it, it, it actually doesn't, it doesn't kill too many people. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't overdo it because if it killed every host, then it would, not be a virus it wouldn't exactly. be able to live itself exactly so it has to be uh just effective enough to like be able to thrive and spread mm -hmm. all it wants to do is spread so it's like it's kind of a pretty effective because and it's, it's also sort of working in ways as you say they're so small and we don't see it we don't yeah. we don't you know it's it's, it's not so tangible in, it's infrequent it's sort of it's not tangible it's something so small that nobody i mean it's it's hard to even comprehend mm -hmm. right and i think people that are especially people that don't believe in science or they don't they don't trust science they don't those trust. are the same people that'll take medications that are prescribed by their physicians that was developed and produced by science right yeah it's, it is a little weird double standard when they yeah well, very well, much a double standard they will um go take certain medications they know nothing about that they just because their doctor told them to do it, but yet in this case they won't. Mm -hmm. And it's just so. Why won't they question all the things in their life? Like why are you eating certain foods? Are you eating McDonald's? Are you smoking cigarettes? Are you yeah. drinking beer? Are you, yep. you know, are, are those are, are those things <laughs> affecting your life? Mm -hmm. uh, are those things worse than a a shot? A shot that goes away in a week? Yeah, that's out of your body in a week. Mm -hmm. You know, is that work? I mean, people don't seem to have any, 
I don't know. I, and it's really starting to get frustrating. But well, let's, you let's know, move. the problem <laughs> is, John, it, there's a lack of logic as far as I can see. Yeah. I don't understand it. What do you say we take a quick break and then we come back? We will talk about a little bit, focus a little bit more on 9 11. We got a little tangent there on, on yeah. COVID. It's an, it's inflammatory. Well, we John, every time we talk about COVID, we always get off. We get well, it's probably the number one issue of today. I, I think, I think it it's, it's I think it's the most important issue and freedoms and this whole thing about the, the Republicans and these uh, so many people mistrusting things. I think that's probably there's probably the biggest issues going on in our society right now. So that's probably why we're drawn to that. But anyway, let's let's yeah. take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit. I want to yeah, talk a little bit more about 9-11 yeah. and some of the other uh ways that it has changed our lives in the last 20 years and then uh, you will be able to hear uh the account of my good friend robert lorch uh who was there when 9 11 happened in the twin towers all right we'll talk soon all right this is my song with my band all right yeah this is it was just a jam we just made it up first Are time you doing the guitar yeah and the singing mm. singing was afterwards so this uh the next the next lyric says it must have been a good time last night because i don't remember where i am <laughs> or how i got here <laughs> yeah i've had a few times like that I mean, the song is sort of an homage to uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I love that show. Or Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf was a English uh, book series that mm-hmm. uh, where the guy's just kind of walking home from the pub, and he accidentally walks through a dimensional gate, and <laughs> and he wakes up, he wakes up hungover on a spaceship in oh, the middle really? of space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, then he—that's the—that's the premise. It was actually a, an English uh, series, TV series. It was pretty funny. Oh, really? I, I didn't I had know a buddy, that. Uh, I, had a, I had a buddy who was very into English humor and he got he turned me on to it so. well you know i was big into hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy uh, mm-hmm. and doctor who yeah. and I, I i watched doctor who for ages my wife said what do you get out of that i said i guess you just have to be a whore well you i know? think science fiction is a wonderful endeavor I, I really do i think it's important for people to care about it because uh we're we're in the future now <laughs> We're kind of in the future now. Well, when I was... And all the people in the 50s, uh, Isaac Asimov and Philip K. Dick and all those people, they they got it right. Oh, yeah. Kind of. But I wanted to just uh, start... I wanted to mention something. I had asked my son the other day, uh, what's the difference between a toot and a fart? I was like sort of joking. I didn't think he was really going to answer me in a... He didn't oh, think he was going to really think about it, mistake, process it, and and really answer me in a very like seriously intelligent way. And I, I didn't even think about it. I I I was like eh, toot and a fart about the same. He goes, farts smell. I'm like, holy crap, that's right. Farts stink, and toots are just toots. Toots are just little, and the, and farts are actually stinky. So I thought that was genius. No, like yeah. I, I just had to share that with everybody because I think that's one of the more um, insightful things that my four-year-old has said. Unprovoked 
No, I, I just yeah. totally surprised me. Like yeah, that was an original uh, thought that he had. Original, uh, you know, sort of understanding of two two different things. And oh man, the genius. don't ever underestimate the ability of kids. All right, I'm, unfortunately, I'm gonna. I got one last thing to say about COVID before we move on. One in every 500 Americans has died from COVID. We've had what over 600,000 deaths. Uh, and we're, we are a country. Just divide, yeah, the, yeah, that just makes divide sense. 350 million yeah. to, uh, by, you know, by, six, by 600,000, you get yeah. 500. Yep. So there you go. And uh, Trump said it will go away like a miracle. Oh, remember, he remember? said, in you April, remember, when it yeah, gets warmer, it's going to yeah, go away. Yeah, he said, yeah, exactly. It'll go away by summer. You know, it'll, it'll be gone. Yep. Yeah. Nope, not happening. Uh, nope. Anyway, uh, thanks for continuing to listen to us. Uh, so we're getting closer to the interview with my friend, Robert Lorch, his experience in 9-11. Uh, I want to go over a few more things before we do that. How did 9-11 change the, change the world? Not just America, but the world. And man, you can go back to Nostradamus talking about the Twin Towers falling, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, know, it's a little weird. I know. There's a lot of weird things about Nostradamus. Well, I, I read a lot of Nostradamus, and I'm thinking, man, I, I, I always thought it was, was BS. Okay. But well, that HBO special in the 80s, did you ever see that? Oh yes. my gosh. Yes. That freaked me out. Yeah. But they yeah. also said the world was going to end in the 90s. Yeah. I think on there. And so that was kind of yeah, like. He missed a few things. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but but there was a lot of uh, a lot of things he said that, that came to fruition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. But the, I think the Twin Towers thing is kind of. Yeah. That's really weird. Yeah. That was so, way beyond his lifetime. Born 1503, died 1566. So oh, really? 16th century. Was a French astrologer, physician, and reputed seer who is best known for his book, Les Prophéties. The Prophecies. Yeah. Uh, collection of 942 poetic quatrains allegedly predicting future events. Wow. First published in 1555. Wow. So there you go. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know how we got on that, but it's a shift. I think it's a shift in the world. It's a mm -hmm. shift consciousness is a shift in the world and it's maybe not something that i think we overreacted i, I do think we overreacted as a country um by going to those wars we just mm -hmm. got out of afghanistan it's seen as a failure by the majority of the country yeah um i think uh, you know i have some some data here 69 percent of americans this is a recent poll by the Pew Research, okay. 69% of Americans now say U.S. failed in Afghanistan. Okay. It seems higher than that. Like, I, yeah. Why would anybody think we succeeded? I, the only thing that I would say is a possible success is that we haven't had any other 9-11 type. No, that, no this right? is true. We haven't had any other major domestic foreign terrorism attacks we've had we, we've had domestic terrorism oh domestic like, yeah think of how yes. many mass shootings we've had oh my god from, from white men and non-white men but mostly white men with guns uh well look at january you, 6th for christ's sake if you add up all those you got to be pretty close to oh yeah. you know 9-11 but um otherwise but that's a different issue um i don't even know how that plays into what we're talking about but in uh, September 2001, 77% of people favored military action. 
and 76% thought that we were going to be successful. So we, we really felt like going in and being, you know, taking military action in these countries, these countries that don't actually have, you know, they, they might be places where the terrorists are stationed, but the countries aren't sanctioning this behavior. So we're going to war with a country in a country that isn't terrorist. Mm-hmm. They're just, they, they might have some people there that happen to be terrorists. Maybe, the, you know, maybe they're not, maybe their security isn't up to our standards. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, you know, it's incredible. Um, and, and at the time we all felt that that military incursion was going to work, including me. I mean, I, I, I was in my twenties when it happened. I was thinking I was 20, well, John, 20, I was 28. John, we thought that military incursion in Vietnam would work. Correct. And that, <laughs> that, that was the part like, well, I thought that, uh, the 1991, uh, Persian Gulf war was sort of like, stupid too right like mm-hmm. what are we doing the u.s always has to be the leader you know we are oh you know we're head and shoulders above everybody else in the world we call the shots and all that and it's like why should we do this because they'll probably come up short again why how, how do we know his son isn't going to do the same thing i think the most important thing to remember is just that iraq was stupid oh, oh okay? i agree absolutely and there is no justifiable reason for us to be there it did not make anybody safer except maybe for some people in iraq who were being you know targeted targeted by (laughs) saddam but like but even then like we destroyed iraq we We did we 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 made that country we turned it into a wasteland okay and for what for nothing did, did we contr- like we probably profited for a while like blackwater and all these other like uh halliburton they they stole the oil and all this stuff i i actually don't know a whole lot about like where we're at today mm-hmm. with with iraq i mean do we have different like did, did we gain oil from that arrangement i don't know well what, remember, what was the point of being there well the whole the justification as i recall was that they had invaded Kuwait. Well, it's also that it was like they had weapons of mass destruction. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and and, and anyway, uh but they didn't. No, they didn't. Well, let's talk real br- briefly about some of the other issues that came about after 9/11. Uh I think one of the things is surveillance. So, the Patriot Act was enacted 45 oh, yeah. 45 days after 9/11 and making it easier for the government to spy on ordinary Americans. Mm -hmm. Emails, phone calls, bank accounts, credit, internet tracking. Uh, Basically, it violates the Fourth Amendment. You really, you're not supposed to conduct a search without a warrant, without probable Mm -hmm. cause. And so the Patriot Act sort of stomped all over that and Mm -hmm. said, uh, we can access your emails, your phone. So this is the thing that gets me back to like in times of emergency, the country goes authoritarian, right? And this is one of those things that happened back then. And, and people were was, okay with giving up their civil liberties because of security. Yeah, and who was who was whose watch was that on? It was on Bush. I, yeah, it was Bush. Absolutely. And, and and here I hear cry. Oh, that's uh, in, in trepidating on my. 
uh, freedom. And I'm like, hell, that's, uh, right. you and know, I come think on. People, that's, people, well, but I think the Trumpers, they're not Republican. Trumpers are not Republican. Trumpers are Trumpers. Wow, that's, that's a step, John. <laughs> I mean, technically, they vote Republican, but they are Trumpers. And Trumpers, like, I think actually even Donald Trump was sort of anti-Republican back then. Uh, and he was he voted Democrat his majority of his life. Well, he hung out with uh, Clinton when he yeah. was running for president. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. Other things: torture, Guantanamo. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were things that came about as justifiable by by Cheney, Rumsfeld, Ash, Ashcroft, you know, and all those people that were like you know, and that's the danger of of like these emergency events. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, becoming normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And, you know, torture, waterboarding was the big thing, I think, back then. Oh, they used electric shock. They all, all kinds. Of, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, and I, I will say, like, if there is an event, something that drastic times call for drastic measures. I believe in that. I actually okay. believe in that. But you have to have some common sense. Um, at the time, it did seem like that it was a runaway train. The the two planes falling, you know, killing three thousand Americans. That was a runaway train. We were pissed off. We were angry. We were very upset, and we were uh, we were allowing some civil liberties to be exactly right. Yes, and that yes. and that's understandable. I think as a human nature, it's understandable to allow civil liberties to be trotted upon. As there, as you're sort of coping with a tragedy like that, the first restriction of civil liberties was Abraham Lincoln at the breakout of the Civil War, and every president since then, including Wilson and Roosevelt, did that. And yeah, and I can understand that. Yeah. You know, so but, the issue is, as like you have to have a recognition that it's time to stop that. The, emer- yes. the emergency is yeah. over. The yeah. emergency is yeah. over. We're going to go back to normal life. Mm-hmm. And, so it, and that is not a, always an easy transition or an easy process to identify and proceed with, really. It's, it's a hard thing. I mean, it's, it's trauma, right? Oh, you're, sure. Our whole country went through a major trauma. And so, like, when you're going through that, it's like, how do you massage that back into, like, yeah, and you, you, you give up your civil liberties. That's, like, that's the whole thing with the Patriot Act and, and all the surveillance mm-hmm. and stuff that people were willing to give up their emails, give up their own personal civil liberties. That, remember Edward Snowden? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was, oh, my God. Yeah, he, he, he dared speak the truth. Well, he uh, was the one that, that said, I don't want to live like this because yeah. I think that it gone on too long. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when it was. It was like 2014 or something. Yeah. When he and and that's a long time from 2001. That's uh, of, 13 and, years later. Uh, and emergency legislation, right? Emergency, right. emergency legislation. Yeah. 13 years later. Later. Yeah. So that that is the issue we're talking about. Is that so? Maybe there needs to be committees or departments of the government that sort of uh, address emergency and then transitioning back to normal life. You need to actually have a department that manages that, you know, because it, that is a very um, important thing because you don't want emergency procedures to be normal life. And I, I think that's, that's what's going on with COVID right now with all this vaccine stuff is that people think that they're worried about that becoming 
part of normal life. And I just don't see it. But, no, but I don't need But I have faith in our people and those people apparently don't. They seem, they, they think that, you know, they, they're assuming the worst, you know? Well, you know, John, one encouraging factor that happened yesterday is when they reinstated Gavin Newsom <laughs> as governor of California. Now that tells me, hallelujah yeah. that some degree of sanity prevailed i mean you well, gotta think california yeah. has 40 million people that's more people than most countries in the world yeah one in every seven americans is a california i used to be yeah you used to be but, but but that that was encouraging it's like but his opponent, Larry Elder, was crying foul and fraud a week at least before the election even took place. Yeah. One other thing I want to talk about is the emergence of xenophobia uh, oh, as, as a um, platform, really, for the Republicans. If you look at the Brookings Institute did um, polling back in 2002 mm-hmm. of whether Islam encourages violence, it was Republicans were 32%, Dems were 23%. Mm-hmm. They just didn't think that that was, they didn't feel that Islam as a religion was was like encouraging violence, even even after 9-11. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it was sort of like, eh, it's not, that was an extreme faction and Islam as a religion is still a good religion. But in 2021, Republicans are 72% think that Islam encourages violence. 72 percent all of islam and dems are 32 percent. so it's pretty interesting and another thing is like you think about the importance of 9 11 in in our lives right like how many people can remember exactly where they were and what they were doing on 9 11. i can i was listening to howard stern in my car 93 (laughs) percent 93 percent of americans polled yeah said i can remember exactly where they were and, and what, what they, they were, were doing yeah exactly. the only yes. other higher thing that that was uh was um the kennedy shooting oh oh i remember that too that, that's the other that's the only other highest one where people would have remembered where they were i was in seventh grade if you were say do you remember the challenger um in the 80s you know when it blew up like you probably get like 82 percent, right like it's not quite as, but this is 93%. Like almost every single person, even people that are completely disaffected from society were like, oh yeah, I remember that shit. You know, like, so that it's, it was the, it was the biggest, it's the biggest event in my lifetime. I was born in 73, pretty much after the, the, the I Vietnam was married War. in 73. Yeah. Yeah. There you go, buddy. <laughs> go ahead, Says a lot. Man. Says a lot. I think you're doing a great job. You're a, you're a glorious human being. No, thank you. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. I think it's been a blast. And uh, I'm excited to hear Robert Lurch. Yeah, let's do that. Talk about his experience. And I recorded this a couple days ago. And uh, man, it's just certain things that he said. I just, it brings me back to to, to that time. There's nothing like it. There's really nothing like it in my lifetime where you, I think Americans have been, really uh protected from these types of things we, oh, we have, i agree we have not had this type of serious like life-threatening 
stuff. We've never had an attack on our soil other than like the Revolutionary War and uh, yeah. 9-11 and the Civil War, which is ourselves beating each other up yeah. uh, <laughs> for stupid reasons, which we may happen again. Who knows? Uh, probably not in the, you know, in the, um, traditional way, but, uh, anyway, no, it's not going to happen like that. I mean, it would be like little bombings here and there Mm. or Antifa versus proud boys. (laughs) Anyway, There's a big difference. You and I, okay. I heard it on the radio and watched it on TV. That's one thing, but to actually have been there to see right here and that's why when you you listen to when you listen to robert talk you know when i when i was listening to him and talking to him it's just like you know you could hear it in his voice and i remember and and as he's talking i remember watching it on tv and it's really harsh man and um i think it's important that we do pay respect to it and we do recognize the impact of it Mm -hmm. you know that's why i wanted to do this show sort of paying homage to it and um i think it's great so here's here's robert uh and me having a quick um 20 minute discussion about his experience thanks for joining us today all right take care okay take care thanks for listening to the first part of episode 22 of the john and tom show The following is an interview with Robert Lorch, who was at the World Trade Center on 9-11. This is the retelling of his personal story of that event. I know it may be difficult to listen to at times, but we think it's important for him to tell his story. Thanks. His name is Robert Lorch, professional volleyball player, lives in Los Angeles, California. And he also is, um, what other uh, title would you say you had? Oh, I do have a JD degree. Yeah. Um, well, that kind of links us into what we're, what we're here for today, the JD degree. The, uh, the reason you were in New York in 2001, right. right? Yep. So tell us a little bit about that. So, yeah, I was going to school in New York at a school called New York Law School which is in Tribeca. So it's about like 10 short blocks away from the World Trade Center where it used to be. So and I lived in New Jersey, uh, in Newark, beautiful Newark, downtown Newark. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> Good for you. You survived. But yeah, on 9-11, I had to um, get myself to school in the morning. I think I, think I uh, was supposed to start at 9 a.m. And as usual, I was running a little bit late. Now, this was the first year that you were there, second year, third year? What was it? I think it was my, it was actually my last semester. And this is so, September, so it was the beginning of the final fall. Yeah, for me, yeah, because I, I uh, skipped a semester. Um, and so that, that was my last semester. Instead of ending in the summer, I ended, would be ending in December. So you're rolling in from Newark. And oh, literally, because I brought my uh, rollerblades. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is a normal thing. So Robert's <laughs> cruising around New York City. His rollerblades. Happy as can be. He's a happy guy. He's got his rollerblades on. He's cruising. Uh, going to law school. He's finishing yeah. up. Mm-hmm. And so where was your 
stop at? What was your subway so stop? So from Newark, I have to take the PATH train to the World Trade Center. And uh, I brought my, my uh, sandals, you know, so that I don't have to put on shoes when I take off my rollerblades. <laughs> so Smart. I'm in my sandals. Yeah. And you can just uh, keep your blades on all day, though. Just blade uh, around could, class. Yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> I they would allow it. I tried my best. You, you know, be one of those waitresses. Roller <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. sorry. Those joints? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I got into the bath, path train as, as usual um, in the morning to make class. And uh, as usual, I was a little bit late. And so, that actually made it so that it was the perfect timing for me to actually be a part of that experience of being in the building at actually just a few minutes after the first plane hit that building. And I forgot which building it was that. Was that so building you, one? Or- you were in the building after the first plane hit. Yeah. Wow. So the path train uh, took me underneath. Yeah. The, uh, the river. And into the World Trade Center. And when we arrived at the station, uh, there was a bunch of smoke. Mm. And um, Was there debris? No, I didn't see any debris. Oh, okay. Just like some smoke. And mm. it was a little bit worrisome, but also not because that was kind of a, a usual experience. That's New York. Yeah, so there's yeah there would you know some fire with always the weird the, shit going on like there. Call them train fires, like you know a little fire that like started like in the yeah. in the, um, the subway, mm-hmm. and so that was probably just a train fire, you know, just fine. Uh, so we all get out, and then there's a gigantic, <clears throat> or there was a gigantic uh, escalator to go all the way to the main mm-hmm. floor, yeah. first floor of the World Trade. You're way underground. Way underground. Yeah, yeah. so it's a very big escalator and what i noticed was that the smoke didn't get any better actually got worse as we went up oh so so the 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 smoke was down way down in the lower level yeah and so as you were going up the the escalator it got worse yeah i mean that's that's what i that's what i remember of my story but like now i'm like thinking about it like did it how maybe it didn't get worse maybe it was about the same it Mm. didn't get any better how about that? Yeah. And um, and when I got to the top of the escalator, uh, there were a bunch of firemen running into the lobby from outside. So that um, that the st- the escalator dumps you into the lobby of the World Trade Center. Yeah, I don't know if that's if it's called the lobby or just um, just giant like uh, I don't know what the word is, but it's just big area, but it's inside. Yeah, well, they have. Uh, I think that I think that floor is it an atrium? Is like no, it's like um, it's like a mall. So they have oh, like okay. food court, they have food. Gotcha. I think, I, think, I don't know, giant but, area. Can't remember. Yeah, it's a giant area. So there's yeah, there's like a bookstore, I think, and uh, uh, yeah, a bunch of stores and and food. And so I saw a bunch of firemen running in, and I was like, hey, what the heck is going on? Maybe this is not a train fire. And then I went, proceeded to the exit, which would be, I think, the north side, the north side of the building. Mm-hmm. And they have uh, windows so you can see outside. So there's very big windows 
just without panes, just really big windows. So you can actually see outside before you go outside. And um, I noticed that there were a bunch of pieces of the building on the ground. Whoa. On the street outside. Yeah. Like windows pieces or frames or like. I, I kind of remember more just kind just, of concrete, like. Like whatever the broken. building was made of was on, yeah. the, on the ground. Huh. Right. So wow. more like the building itself. <laughs> so you probably instantly got freaked out. Yes. Instantly freaked out. Yeah. Because you like have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Not to mention I was already hungover. Oh, geez. It was. Uh, <laughs> that just adds an element of. I might usually be. Yeah, <laughs> I was also hungover and like, oh my god! So it was kind of horrifying. Obviously, yeah, at that point, I was sure. like, okay. yeah. but then you know, and everyone. Uh, so right next to that north side of the entrance and exit to that particular building, I forgot which one was hit first. It was building two or one or or what, but. Um, uh, everyone was there was a there's a post office a big old cool looking post office and everyone everyone like in the city seemed like they were lined up against that building and looking up to the um, to the uh <laughs> world yeah. uh looking up and not speaking and that's that's one of the biggest things i remember too is that no one was speaking and we're talking about new york here where mm. everyone's and there's always sound there's always people like yeah. exclaiming or talking or saying something with no one everyone was completely quiet it's like a collective gasp yeah so uh that was yeah that was pretty scary and then um so i walked past the concrete or the pieces of the building whatever it was carefully also looking up to make sure nothing was going to fall on me mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then i noticed as i walked away from the building that it's basically on fire. So way up there, whatever floor that was, mm. like at least one floor was on fire. So I had lined up with everyone else against the post office, looking up and... Um, Did you get the feeling that you should run away yet? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> that was to come very soon though. <laughs> A few minutes later, I was like, so yeah but i mean it, it, it had to absorb but you know it was like yeah like seeing like what's happening right what like yeah. just and why is everyone lined up here and you know like I, I, one of my silly thoughts was processing like, like, things yeah yeah it was that maybe somebody put aluminum foil in the microwave <laughs> and it blew sure. up <laughs> I just, I well don't you know. don't know i mean it could just be a isolated incident on a floor right right uh -huh. yeah who knows um so then yeah after a few minutes of standing with everybody else i decided that this was probably not the best place to stand underneath a fire um where pieces have already you know fallen yep. good choice uh -huh. yeah and i went up more to the corner the opposite corner so i was farther away from the fire and looked for a while with some other people and then people started screaming for some reason that i never really saw why but reflecting after afterwards and seeing the news uh that maybe they were screaming at people jumping mm, yeah. out of the building which i i guess luckily did, did not see 
Right. Um, but then people really started screaming for real and started running. And I didn't know why they were screaming, why they were running. But I figured that uh, maybe I should go with them. So I have my flip-flops on, got my rollerblades. Why did you put your rollerblade? I guess you don't have time. <laughs> well, you could have cruised out of there. I would have had to, yeah. I'd have to sit down and like put That's them true. on. That takes the time. And be like, and really want to get out of there like ASAP. But I didn't. So they were screaming because... I guess they saw the plane coming or someone the alerted them. One? Or yeah, the yeah. second one. So you were there long enough to see the to be around when the second one hit. Or yeah. So you were we with their proximity to, when the second one hit. Yeah, wow. I got like maybe a block or two. And as I said, those those blocks are very short. So yeah. maybe I got two blocks away, which is not very far when <laughs> when there was a huge explosion mm -hmm. uh, behind me, I turned around and saw, I saw what you see in the uh, videos. Mm -hmm. You see this giant explosion and, you know, the heat covered me and, um, and everyone was screaming, like basically like it, it was like Godzilla. Right. And people started crying. I started crying. Like it was just, you know, very, very intense moment. And you're running at the same time. You're running. And you're running. You're and, running and, in the opposite direction. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And it was kind of where cell phones were still relatively new, I guess. They were, yeah, they were pretty so, new. Well, they were the flip phones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I didn't have one. And but and but the, of course the, uh, the telephone booths were still around and still usable and everything, and that was a lot of people's first thought was like they ran to the telephone booth to like call loved ones or something. Like, I don't know, like you have to like, you know, reach out to yeah. somebody and, and you, you got to make a decision on what, what you're going to do. Cause you, you just don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, yeah. even in that point, you don't know if that's the end of it or if there's going to be more. Right. Right. So that's, I thought there could be more of those coming in. Yeah. That was the biggest thing was, um, uh, after, I tried to make a phone call and there was impossible to obviously with everyone was using all the phones mm -hmm. in the world at that moment in time, everyone was calling everybody and, you know, not actually, uh, no one could get through to anybody for hours mm -hmm. because of, because of all that activity that was happening. Uh, so then my next thing, the next thing was like, what do I do next? Yeah. What's going to explode next? Cause right. I didn't know it was a plane. Yeah, I didn't see exactly. the plane. I just yeah. saw a giant explosion. You just thought it was like some bombing. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, what's going to, I kind of thought of it more, not in terms of like bombs coming from anywhere, but bombs planted. Like, mm -hmm. what was that movie? Oh yeah. Fight Club. Like at the end of Fight Club. Uh, yeah. Things just start exploding like everywhere. And like, I, I, I was like, where's the next bomb set? Like how far is it? Where is it? Is it, is that my school? Is it close to my school? Where do I go? We're safe. We're safe right now. <laughs> oh my god! So, uh, yeah, that was a, a nightmare. So I decided to. Uh, I was on my way to school anyway, so I decided to go to school. And from the school, you could see, you know, the the fire burning. You could see the building on fire. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, yeah. So I didn't have anybody. So I, I 
I kind of stood outside for a while, uh, I think with a couple other people and, or maybe I was just by myself. I don't know. And everyone was inside because I was late, you know, yeah. so everyone was already in class, except it wasn't everyone. I finally went inside and there was like 10 people there when there should have been like at least 30. And, um, is that when you found out it was the planes? Or did yeah, you, you know, kind of. People were telling you that then. Yeah, kind of. I mean, the first thing I did when I walked into the classroom was I was like, the World Trade Center just like blew up. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? Oh, they didn't know? No. Oh, geez. I guess. I don't know. And then the teacher was like, no, no, it's like, it's a plane. And so oh. I guess there's some information from the first plane hitting the building had reached people hmm. by that time. And so... Yeah, so it was like, oh, it was a mistake. You know, like a plane like accidentally flew into the World Trade Center, but they didn't know that the second one, you know, there was a second explosion. So, it's, just pure uh, chaos. it's just crazy. It's just absolute chaos at that time. But the, you were up there and I, I think you said you saw, because the part that is crazy is that they just collapsed like a demo, right? They just collapsed like that. Yeah. Which is still a little bit baffling, but... You know, there's been a lot of been a lot of conspiracy videos out there about that. Um, it is a little unusual that a building would collapse like that from a mid something hitting you up here. And people talking about all the stuff that's blowing up down. They had bombs down below and all that, but I'm not here to talk about that. But right, um, yeah. But it is a little odd that they would collapse like demo style. Um, and you saw that right from your perspective. Well, so what ended up happening is that we all went downstairs to the basement of the school. Mm. Uh, the principal or, yeah, I guess it's the principal or whatever, the dean uh, was like, oh, everyone, you know, just stay calm. This is probably the safest place for you to go right now. Like, you know, where am I going to go? I'm going to go back to New Jersey. How you can't like the, my path is now destroyed. So I'm not going to New Jersey. Um, Good roll uh, back, but. <laughs> yeah i could find the bridge and rollerblade back but for yeah so we just sat in the in the building and then we were watching it on the news mm. and that's when i mean i don't know how much longer that took but um was like i guess the first building imploded first or i don't know imploded and, is uh, the word yeah it's it's very strange man yeah and so um, i went down and uh watched it on tv and the lights went out <laughs> your lights in your place at the school yeah the huh. lights went out and when that happened oh and i was just thinking about the gas lines i was thinking about mm. isn't something gonna explode from that giant building just falling now in like an active busy business those are area? the biggest buildings in the world <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> oh those are just big buildings those are the biggest buildings in the whole world yeah. crazy and so i watched the uh on, on the video like basically where i was like covered with dust so you saw this huge dust mm -hmm. falling mm -hmm. and like cover all of lower manhattan and i was right. like god is that what's happening outside right now and then uh at that point i had to make a decision if i was going to stay where i was because it was for me it was too close to for comfort to be yeah. that close to the world too in there with, with so who knows what's happening and so i found a teacher my writing teacher and she had 
like a real job at Macy's as one of the corporate counsel there. And she said, well, we can go to my office next to uh, the Empire State Building because Macy's is next to Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, Empire State Building, that seems like a likely (laughs) candidate for the next bomb to go off too. I'm like, eh, but at least I don't want to be here anymore. So let's go out and let's start walking north. It's it's going to be a long walk. Yeah, at least I won't be that close to the World Trade Center anymore, uh, to both to both buildings. So we went outside, and as we were walking, these fire trucks were screaming past us with dust flying off them, and they're like someone was shouting in the megaphone, like, "The gas line is broken! The gas line is broken!" Like, and so everyone starts screaming and running, you know, to get even farther away from the World Trade Center because you know that was. That was obviously a concern of mine too. And now someone's announcing it from a fire truck. But luckily there was didn't, didn't seem to be any other explosion. And we just continued on to um, Macy's and uh, tried to call my loved ones, to let them know that I wasn't dead because they knew exactly where I was at that time that I would most likely be in the World, World Trade Center. And mm. you know, who knows if I actually got out. So... Yeah. yeah my girlfriend at the time thought i was probably dead my mom was with her and so she didn't know any better and it was just uh so i was just at macy's for a while um but yeah if you make questions i i can tell you how i finally escaped manhattan but uh so i can go into that but yeah if you want to- i mean sure as time goes on you're sort of like you know you're kind of trapped there right Totally trapped. And yeah. so what do you do? So the only thing we have is the news to figure out actually what's going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe the radio, but when, I don't know. I can't remember if, like, uh, where do you go? Right. And so it was finally the news, like after several hours that told me where to go, they were like, Oh, there's, and it was a really hot day too. So mm-hmm. there was, um, the ferries, the private ferries all got together, uh, to become public transportation to New Jersey. Mm. So there was this one area that we had to go to or I had to go to because yeah, at that point I would be by myself um, to get back to New Jersey. The older people were fainting you know, from the heat and people somehow got packages of water to everyone and, um, and then I got on the ferry and it was, that was one of the kind of worst parts too because uh as we're going across the hudson river towards new jersey all of a sudden we have a perfect view of where the world trade center used to be and it's just smoke like just Mm. fire and and uh it was kind of like i felt like i was on the lifeboat of a titan of the titanic yeah it's, it's also watching. crazy that you lived in California your entire life, except for those two years <laughs> that you were in New York or whatever, two or three years that you were in yeah. New York and mm-hmm. you, you were there at that time. It's pretty wild. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a just, lucky guy. Did you know anybody in the towers? Uh, thankfully, no. Yeah. I did know a lot of people that knew people that were yeah. in the tower. I mean, it's, it was a pretty, I was in Santa Cruz at the time. And I, I saw it, I was living by myself in Santa Cruz and I just like turned on the TV. I was like, what? <laughs> it was, it was pretty wild. And I, 
I don't know. It was definitely uh, hard to hard to comprehend. And yeah, I, you're the only person I know that that was actually there in the vicinity. So thanks for telling us your story. No worries. Thanks for listening to episode 22 of the John and Tom show. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a review on your favorite podcast platform and share with your family and friends on social media. Thanks again. John and Tom show is produced by Carmel Sound Lab. For more information, visit www.carmelsoundlab.com.